clubhouse. Hi. Uh, excuse me, sir? Sir? Hello? Hello? Uh, hello? I need some help over here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, you don't wave a shoe. Oh. You never wave a shoe. You know, in Thailand, that's considered a capital offense. And you've been to Thailand? Uh, no, but I have been to Myanmar. Which used to be Burma. Back in the day. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see you there. Really? Because you know what? I've been right here by your side all along. Welcome to Hell or Good, the younger podcast. I'm Sheila McGann. And I'm Emma Good. Tonight we're discussing Season 7, Episode 12 of Younger, the final ever episode of the series. It's a little bit sad. Ah! <laughs> uh, this episode is called Older, and I like the name of this because I do feel like we've definitely seen a lot of progression in the characters since the season, or the series, I should say, has begun. I like it too. Um, I also like the fact that it's called Older because that is the new book by Pamela Redmond Stratton. I'm oh, sorry, I'm going to sure. massacre it. It's the new book that's out. It's on my summer reading. You know, it's got queued up in my Kindle to read. I got it. I downloaded it a couple of weeks ago when I found out that it came out. So I like that like homage to the, you know, the book series that started it all. She has Marriage Vacation. She's got a few different books that all kind of like tie into the story here. I believe she's got The Miss education of henry kane as well really yeah so i like the fact that it it's basically come full circle like this is younger but now they're older so i like this this uh this completing of the circle if you will for the for these characters and because it's the series finale it makes sense that we wrap these people up in 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 a way that shows that how they've matured definitely yeah no it was definitely a good name for the episode but before we get too far into it we still have that heller good younger podcast playlist uh over there on spotify definitely has music from this episode as well as you know going back in time to uh like ass and titties when you know josh put his number into her phone all the way back to then so uh yeah so we have just recently rewatched episode one and went oh yeah I remember you saying had that on the playlist. <laughs> Spoilers out of the bag at the gate. When I saw the very final scene of this, it was very late on Friday night. I immediately, you know, hit play on Paramount Plus on the season one pilot. I had to tie back. Better say, people, there are spoilers ahead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just just a reminder, we expect you have seen the episode. There are spoilers. Yes. (laughs) But I didn't give anything away. All I said was that I had to go back and... (laughs) Okay, 
Now that the disclaimer's out, okay, we can talk about that. So before we get too far into it, let's hear it. What was your highlight? I think, you know, my highlight was definitely that final scene. Josh and Liza replaying their first meeting at the bar with the waving of the shoe for the bartender. It was always a cute scene from the very first episode, and it was so cute to end the series and the, you know, the whole show on that scene as well. I just, I just love that coming full circle. It's ending on a promise as much as the series started, right? So the series started with her and Josh. And that's really kind of what sparked the the ability for her to play off a 26-year-old by, you know, having this conversation in the bar with Josh. That scene is also my highlight, but I I have a different one too, just to be different. But yeah, I had to go back and I had to rewatch episode one, the pilot, because I wanted to sort of like relive that deja vu moment that we just experienced at at the series finale when they're older to go back to when they were younger and see the difference and the scene of nostalgia that that gives I I I wasn't expecting it to like I don't know hit me as emotionally hard as I did I was like oh my god when I went back to watch season one episode one the pilot I was like oh my god I was like they did such a good job wrapping this up I was like okay kudos to the writing team on on just finding a way to make this very very special this episode was not what I expected coming out of episode 11 I'm gonna say episodes one to eleven. Yes, exactly. I feel like we've been on a roller coaster through this season, but I did love the ending. I like it's not that she's explicitly ended up with Josh, but they're sort of back in each other's orbit again. And and I love that little bit where he's like, "I've been here right beside you the whole time," and it kind of then makes the fact that even though he hasn't been in the season that much, he has always been in the background. And we've said this a few times. He's been in the background with her the whole time through. He's been there for her, but maybe she hadn't been paying attention to him so much. But she had been distracted. So yeah. I think that's a really great observation. So I'll give you my highlight. So my highlight, it was that. For conversation's sake, my highlight was actually the bar scene with the four girls right before the scene with Josh and Liza. They were trading their successes, their love lives. They were just celebrating each other. They were genuinely thrilled with each other's success. They were genuinely thrilled with each other's like upswings at the moment. Um, and this, I'm, I came back to it. I thought about it. I was like, you know, why is this my highlight? And I thought about it because it's really been the focus of the show the whole time. This friendship love between Maggie and Liza and how Maggie gave Liza the courage to do what she needed to do in order to get her to this point. Kelsey and Lauren, their their dynamic has always been so fun. And Kelsey and Liza, like we've talked about this so much this season, how this show is really about these two, their relationship, their friendship love, their genuine care for each other and how they just want to hold each other up and, and bolster each other's success. So I thought it was a fantastic way to line these characters up as we got ready to say goodbye to them. Like, this was our goodbye to these girls because then it was Liza and Josh at the bar and the promise of that future. So I really liked that as a message. I liked that for where for where these characters really needed to end up. I agree. I just thought it was a really great conversation between all of them. And the whole show has been really about women supporting women. There's not been a moment where they've sort of not found a way to support each other yes they've had their moments where they've had uh tension and fights and that but that's just a reality of life and relationships but they always find a way to come back together and support each other 
and yeah that was a great scene to see all four of them just being really happy for each other and particularly for Kelsey moving out to LA obviously you know that'll be a big change for all of them and they'll miss her but they were excited for her future and they knew this was the right thing for her and wanted to support her and not be about them missing her or about them kind of wallowing in like the dumpiness of like you know Kelsey and Rob you know she she got over that real quick but okay so what did you think of this episode now as a whole I think thank god they gave it 45 minutes because there was no way they were going to wrap this up in such a short episode. It didn't feel like 45 minutes, though. Like, Mm-mm. I honestly got to the end and I felt like it had been a 25-minute episode because it just was so good. I just enjoyed it so much. I hadn't even noticed the time passing. It, it just was like, oh, it's over. How is that 45 minutes already? <laughs> it was such a whirlwind for me. I felt, I, I mean, I enjoyed it from start to finish, but I agree, it did not feel... It didn't feel like a double episode. It felt... It felt just like a regular episode in terms of the timeline. But then when I thought about like how much had happened, yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I was mostly surprised at Quinn's passive role. We didn't even see her. Oh, I know. I thought she would go much more scorched earth than she did. I mean, right? all she did was send a text and an email. Yeah, and a photo. Like, Yeah. Maybe that's my other highlight is that maybe Quinn living up to the namesake of the Baroness that she alluded herself to in the middle of the season and stepping well, she aside. Didn't really step aside completely. She did still have a final dig with Charles and Liza, you know, seeing you the picture of saying you made a big mistake and right. you know, look who you're going into bed with. She still had to do that final dig. That's the scorched earth, you know, part of, of Quinn that we, we got to see. But uh, just for the sake of the tone of this episode, I'm glad it was unseen Quinn. I don't know how like the dynamic would have been if she'd been physically there. I mean, I will say I love the actress. I think she played Queen very well. I just the character herself, and and um, well, let's. I mean, we may as well sort of move into the Liza and Charles relationship, and and, and how Queen set into that. I think for me, because it's been such a big part of the whole season. And now we've seen, you know, Charles and Liza got back together, then, you know, ultimately decided that they can't be together because, well, as we see in this episode, Charles just cannot trust Liza. He, ever since he found out her lying about her age, it feels like he's always distrusted her. And yet he had Quinn as a relationship who almost destroyed his company and he seemed to treat her better than Liza, the woman he wants to marry. And I still just cannot get over that disconnect in his character. Like, how was it ever okay to be in a relationship with Quinn after what she did? And you can't get over the fact that Liza lied about her age so that she could get a job to help support her daughter. Yeah, I mean, really, when you come back down to it, that's why she did all this. She needed yeah. to support herself and her daughter after her divorce, like way back, way back in season one. Whereas Quinn did her move because she was vindictive. Right. Yeah. Qu- Quinn had her motivations for self-preservation, whereas, you know, Liza had, yes, she lied, but it was a more noble cause for what she was doing. But Charles, this episode, he was just so massively uncomfortable, I felt, around Liza. You know, he was, like, hesitating putting the watch on at his bedside table. Like, Quinn gave him that watch. Telling Liza that, like, you know, him hearing about Incubator, the proposal from her, was, like, a test. 
and she passed oh, like like pat on the scene. head tap 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 i was just like it, i felt like they, that's what he was doing like tapping her on the head like good girl you told me what you were supposed to do like who I does that cringed at that they're like oh I, maybe i was testing you but you know you passed and i was just like i would have had to have said something then and like, there honestly you dick. like this is not a test for me to to take but yeah. liza's face i went back and rewatched that scene as i was doing my notes for this because i was like what was liza's reaction and her face when he turned away from her and they were walking in it was like it was like she smelled something bad like it was it yeah. was not pleasant she was not happy she wasn't very comfortable with that response either I, I think that was when she suddenly realized and I mean you see it later in the episode when they're in bed together but I think that was the point where she realized this is not what I want Right, when he said the thing about Yada, which is that writer's commune, would she have told him had he not gotten in? Like he and he says like it could have been like your little secret. Again, the lack of trust, not being able to be completely honest with each other, or him not thinking that she's gonna be honest with him. She's been in a bad position since the beginning because she's always wanted to be honest, but she couldn't because of the circumstances. But now yeah. that she has the opportunity to be honest, she's done everything she possibly can to prove herself since he found out since the world found out that she's always just on the up and up in terms like with the exception of lying about her age everything else and it sounds so funny to like talk about like a person this way it's just like they were honest about everything except this one thing but at the same time like you, you have to understand like looking at her character like who she really is and like if everybody else can forgive her once they understood why this man like you said who wants to marry her is still having problems with trusting her then you know then what made him get off the plane is it just realizing he wasn't right with the right woman did he really want to be with liza did he miss the idea of her and it's just so much changed from the end of episode 11 to like halfway through this episode i was just like getting whiplash with charles here you know they had great chemistry sure but in terms of being an actual couple i just never thought liza was open enough with him she never seemed to behave like herself around him you know her motivations have always been because of someone else it's never for any benefit for herself i'm not telling him about incubator ultimately that was because kelsey is the one that was taking it and even though it was originally Liza's idea to sort of come up with this, you know, salon idea and start it, Kelsey was the one that invested in it and really made it happen. Right. She operationalized it. Yeah, exactly. You know, Liza had the idea, but Kelsey really implemented it. And Liza was um, okay with Kelsey doing all that. Yeah. So it wasn't hers to tell. Exactly. It wasn't her secret to tell. It was up to Kelsey to tell Charles. And, you know, Liza's only input was maybe not do it before the party. But I can understand why she didn't go straight to Charles with that. And then the whole Yado, Yado, was it Yado? Yado, yeah. Yeah, thing. I'm it's like, almost like Yada, like Yada 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 from uh, yeah, Seinfeld. Oh, from I love yeah. that episode. You know, she was doing it for Charles, but of course she wouldn't tell him if he didn't get in because 
what's the point? She did it hoping you'd get in, and I looked it up. The life acceptance rate's only like 22%, so, you know, it's a very small chance of you getting in in any case. She believed in him enough to even give it a chance. Like, I think she knew if she'd asked him, he would never have done it for himself, but she sort of took the initiative and went, if he gets in, then I can tell him, and then it's up to him whether he accepts it or not. If he didn't know he was missing out, right? Fear, like, he didn't have FOMO. Why would she tell him in order to dash his hopes if he didn't get in? Like, that would be so much more cruel than not saying anything. And he, and he said, he goes, it could just be your little secret. And just the way he said, he was very somber. Like, he'd already in his mind, I think, let this go. And she recognized it. It came in under the, the guise of, like, it's showing me again how very old school he is and how very shitty he is in some ways. The fans on, like, the Facebook page and on Twitter and, you know, all the different corners of the internet that I've found things about younger this season have really painted Charles in this in the light that you and I have been painting him that there's something very off about his personality that he's not as nice as he appears on the surface at his core he's still a businessman he still has to make a bottom line and I saw this tonight too when he was essentially taking credit for incubator with Azalea King in that meeting Oh, I was so annoyed about that. And you could see Kelsey also. I don't think it was just even the VC thing, but the fact that he was going, oh, we've developed this. And it's like, hold on, it was us two and nothing to do with you. Like, yeah, we gave you a proposal. And, you know, he's he's listing off about the podcast and it's an ebook, and it's a it's a concept as old as Dickens himself. And just the way it came off, it was very sincere to the recipient who didn't know any better. So Azalea King receiving this and she's like, I love this publishing model. I can't go back to the old one. Basically saying that this is a very inspired kind of a moment. The technology fitting the movement made a lot of sense for her. But just the disingenuousness of how he came off to Liza and Kelsey, who were sitting there and knowing what they've put into it, and especially to your point, to what Kelsey's put into it, it solidified that he didn't deserve to win. But I also think, like, getting back to the whole sort of honesty situation, he could have, at any point after he read that email, approached Kelsey and Liza and say, I'm aware of the fact that you've sent the proposal out. I would like to discuss what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Instead, he chose to hold off as well. So in a way, he was also not telling the truth by not doing that. But his reasons, I felt, were more selfish because he was, as he said later on, testing Liza to see if she would tell him. Why didn't you just open the conversation yourself? If you're that uncomfortable with it, you be the one to open it. And this is going back to even like, I think it was season five when he found out that she was older than she'd said. He didn't say anything for ages. It was a long time before Liza found out that he actually knew her real age. Sitting on the truth and not having the conversation really annoyed me because maybe I'm just not that sort of person. This is why I sometimes have issues in my family because some people in my family rather sit on the on the issue and don't discuss it, whereas I'd rather just discuss it and get it out of the way. Just deal with it head on and get it out in the open and yeah. Yep. And I'm move on. Way. Right. But, exactly. yeah. And move on. <laughs> 
But if you don't have that discussion, you never move on. And I feel like this has been a long time coming because he hasn't had that discussion. Because even when he got together with Liza initially, he was just like, I don't care anymore. And, you know, kissed her in the snow. Yes, it was a lovely scene and everything, but they never had the conversation about how he felt about her lying and things like that. They just sort of brushed over it, but never really resolved it. And giving Liza a chance to explain herself in the moment with the facts with the details to be readily there to answer his questions like this is where i'm just coming back to the like the josh and liza relationship they had that conversation they had that discussion she did that slideshow showing her life you know that was so cute and and then he sort of understood and then they had the conversation about you know why she was doing what she was doing and you know why she still needs to keep it quiet and he sort of became part of the lie, which he was uncomfortable with, but he understood why she was doing it. He became her ally. Yeah. And he wasn't going to use it against her. Yeah. And he wasn't going to certainly make a test out of something for her. Exactly. It's just, it's a very different relationship. And I just, I've always thought there was a more honest relationship with Josh than there was with Charles. And it's very subtle. And I think it helps to kind of talk about it the way that we are, because it does bring out some of these different things. Like she did the slideshow with him because he had questions. He had feelings about it. I'm sure Charles has feelings about it, but it's just how Josh and Charles are different and showing how Josh is potentially a better match for her because there's just this level of openness and truthfulness. So while Liza has been untruthful for so long, she was always conflicted about it, like we've talked about it. And she was relieved when she got the truth out to people like Kelsey and to Josh. You know, I just, I'm bringing this into the musical that happened in this episode here. You know, so while she was untruthful, she definitely did not deserve to be included in the Scamalot musical the way that she was. I just think it was a really, really clever way for the writers, for the creatives to bring back something that was missing from this season that has played out in every episode up until the end of season six, her age. The fact that she has to cover this up. The fact that she was outed so publicly in season six. You and I kind of had this like banter back and forth early this season. Like it's kind of missing that thing about her age and was the season hurting as a result of it. And I just feel like this put a huge exclamation point on what you and I have been talking about, bringing back the themes of the previous six seasons. The song has been in my head for four days. (laughs) I don't think I could ever watch Chicago again without thinking of this version of the song now, to be honest. (laughs) You know, so I want to hear what your thoughts are about the musical itself. Um, But did you know everybody who was on the stage, like the, the players, quote unquote? I had read articles about all four of them. Um, Obviously, I think most people have seen the fire documentary. I've heard about it. I remember when it sort of was happening in the news and then I watched the documentary, but it it wasn't something that was closely on my radar until I saw the documentary. I went, oh, wow, that really was quite bigger than I thought it was at the time. The lady with the blood test. I remember reading articles about her back when she was getting all the VC money. And I remember, like, I think the Times in London had this, like, profile about her and how she was going to change the medical system and all this sort of stuff. she was this big disruptor, yeah. Yeah, I mean... She was this big disruptor. You have to say it in her voice very down low here. (laughs) 
I remember Bernie Madoff, obviously. I think everyone knows who he is. He did like the 2008 sort of. Was it? Did he was sort of involved in the global financial crash, or did he get found out because of the financial crash? I think it was all like synonymous with the crash. It was around that time, wasn't it? Was it was all around the same time. And then the fourth lady, did you know about her? So the fourth lady, I had actually, I didn't know as much about her, but I had read an article once about this lady who was pretending to be black and and people thought she'd been black for like decades or something and she was you know really high up in in one of like uh like a black activist group or something mm-hmm. and then she was actually white and and i was like because i think i remember reading it in terms of she was trying to make it i think she was trying to compare being transgender with being her feelings of thinking she was black oh. and i remember reading an article sort of in that context and because obviously, you know, with my dad being transgender and stuff, right. so I often read a lot of articles like that. Maybe they just come up in my timeline because of that. So I remember sort of reading this article and she was trying to like say, well, people choose their gender so I can choose my race. That's, that's not the like, same thing. No. Mm, no. No. So I had I had actually heard of all four of them. Her, I must admit, I, I think I've only ever read that sort of one article about her. So I don't know as much about her but um yeah i at least heard of her but honestly like to then like make out like liza was the worst of the lot i'm like are you kidding me like some of these people cost people billions and millions of dollars right bernie madoff out of that group i think is the worst definitely Rest in although peace, i think bernie. uh elizabeth well, i can't remember her last name elizabeth with the blood tests uh probably a second yeah theranos is the name of the company and the fact that they got her voice so deep i thought was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a documentary about her as well. I haven't. I've been meaning to check it out, but I haven't watched it yet. It's it's messed up. Like it's uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Thank you. That's her name. <laughs> Going through all the Elizabeths in my brain. Yeah, there is a really good documentary about her. There's a really good podcast series too about her, and I think the documentary might be based on the podcast. So it's like a eight or ten episode thing. I believe the Book of Lies podcast ladies. That's a shout out to uh, a pod clubhouse collaborator. They do podcasts on like scammers and fraudsters. They have one on Billy Farland for fire. They have one on Bernie Madoff. And I believe they have one on Elizabeth Holmes. So so maybe they need to do Rachel next. <laughs> yeah. Their episode, Book of Lies podcast on Twitter, on Apple Podcasts, all the places. They have one on Millie Vanilli. And now oh, Millie really? Vanilli is our timeline there. They're in oh, our wheelhouse. So of- 80s. <laughs> But their episode on Millie Vanilli is like mm, chef's kiss. It's so good. So <laughs> I highly I recommend you check out. out the Bolt Ladies Book of Lies podcast. I think that's a really fun thing for you guys to go check out because you're not going to have another episode from us after this. I know. Yeah. We're talking about the play. Do you think it was only seeing that, that song that made Charles open the the email from Queen because previously he deleted the email then after seeing the musical he's suddenly gone and had a look at the email he's he's suddenly gone well maybe I can't trust her maybe I should see what Queen's saying I think it rekindled the mistrust he had in her from prior when he found out and I think it was just a way for him to set them up in, in, in a way that made sense for him but was really all along the lines of like the, the shitty things that he's done um, but I think opening that up or going back to it after it was deleted was I'm reminded of the bad things that she's done let me see what I'm getting into bed with although I did did really expect when he opened up his trash folder to look like what my well not so much my, my junk folder my junk folder in like my gmail account looks it's disgusting <laughs> 
do you get lots of like penis enlargement Extend emails? Send your penis. Like lots, yep. lots of eggplants, different things like that. Oh, I get lots of uh, look at your matches for I don't know what sort of sites they are because the yeah. rest of the lines I'm like I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so. my, my spam does look like that the few times I have to go in and find an email that accidentally ended yeah, up there. Yeah, I know. It's always like, I'm like, I hope my mom doesn't ever have to do this with her email. It's, it's, this stuff is there. I'm like, she's too fragile for this. <laughs> look, as they say in Avenue Q, the internet is for porn. So, you know, you got to expect it to be ending up right. in email. Everything else is going to be like on the side of porn. Were you surprised though, after they'd broken up that he made her editor-in-chief to go for him to go to Yaddo and explore this avenue of his life. Were you surprised that he made Liza editor-in-chief? I was. I was surprised that Liza was willing to resign because, you know, she's worked hard for this job. And I don't think it would be easy for her to move into another role, even though she's been there for a while and done quite a lot. I think it would still be difficult for her to find another role in another company because there is scandal attached to her name. So I'm surprised that she offered to resign. I'm even more surprised that he offered her the editor-in-chief role, given that he doesn't seem to trust her, and now he's trusting her with his company. I was surprised a bit that he did offer her the editor-in-chief role because he's been very distant and cold to Liza, and I, I don't know if he's really taken much of an interest in what she's achieved to this point either so you know is he up on all the other work that she's doing besides incubator right that's one one part of it the other side of me was like he does know her work ethic he does know that she is the lie about her age notwithstanding she's a very honorable and trustworthy person in terms of her work whether or not he trusts her with other facets of his life although his his children i think too the fact that they love her and they they seek her out and we saw that this episode if he was meant to be a mystique why was his children at his house <laughs> well maybe pauline had some other um subterfuge to wrap up before i don't I know just, it took me like i think the third few weeks before i went huh He's not even meant to be there, so why are the children there? <laughs> right. Yeah, but I think that's, a, that's also an indicator that, you know, Liza is a good person. And she's done a lot to prove that she's, you know, she's always looking out for his kids and things like that. So there's a lot of layers, I feel, to Charles and Liza's relationship. But I think at his core, he does respect her ability. And frankly, like, if Kelsey's leaving, there ain't nobody left. <laughs> And let's face it, Diana's in Italy living her best life, so uh, she's not going to be coming back anytime soon. I am a little bit disappointed she wasn't brought in somehow into the family. I agree so much. There could have been some way to bring her back in. Like, she could have FaceTimed into the empirical party. She could have had, like, a video testimonial, right? That people do these things where yeah. if they can't be there physically, they would be like, hey, I'm in New Zealand or wherever, and I obviously can't be there tonight, and I could, you know, just want to give my thoughts on the first hundred years of empirical, right? Like, that was the theme of the party. That's my only criticism of this episode was that Diana should have been some cameo, some speaking role, some vision of Diana needed to be here to wrap it up. You know, when you curl string for like a present, I feel like one of them is a little wonky. That's where Diana is. Like it's the wonky curl right now that didn't yeah. work out for me. I know, because we saw her for like a minute 
I think it was episode seven, and that was it. It wasn't enough. I did like seeing all the books covers, though, of yes. you know the books from across the seasons, and a few I'd be like, oh, I remember that episode, or I remember that storyline, and yeah, that was yeah. Some that of was the titles cool. were jumping out at me. I was like, oh my god, that was like season three. But I did like that we got this origin story on your empirical. I love origin stories. I love to know where things came from, how things came about. Like you gave me a prequel, I am sitting in. I got my popcorn. I am ready. It was so romantic. It was so historic. You know, he, you know, the grandfather won the rights, the foreign rights to an F. Scott Fitzgerald essay at a poker game. I love that. I just love how things like that could have happened in the 1920s. Having read Hemingway's A Movable Feast, yeah, I can totally see that happening. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely seemed the way that sort of group of people tended to to be it was definitely an, an interesting time i think but I, I do wonder there's been throughout the series a few references to hemingway i think even f scott fitzgerald a couple of times mm-hmm. i do wonder if like one of the writers or a few of the writers are like massive fans of hemingway and fitzgerald and, and that era of writers because they do get referenced quite a lot throughout the whole series well they're also legends from the 20th century so like and there are huge influences even today of writers. So yeah, I would I would agree with that statement. But yeah, it was a good origin story. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And, and Charles's family definitely screams old money. And all of those people were old money. Oh, there was no way they could afford to live the lives they did without family money backing them up. I think that's enough of Charles and Liza. I think we need bye, to move bye, on bye, to... Jazz. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so glad that Liza and Charles was not endgame. I was very yes. glad of that. I hope he goes to Yaddo and he finishes his novel and becomes inspired to maybe he's tap starting, back into his he's creative starting his self. second career that he yeah. wants, as he said, as he's asked Liza. It's not too late to start over, and she's proven that's the case. People live to like ninety and hundred these days, and as long as your mind stays with you, you've got like decades more that you can write or do whatever you want and just be inspired exactly find, it. So find the passion hopefully he becomes a uh, avid author and then liza can publish his novels <laughs> she can edit him yeah <laughs> if, if she thought editing his ex-wife was uncomfortable now imagine editing him proper <laughs> yeah maybe she might pass it off to someone else <laughs> yeah well she's editor in chief so she's got bigger fish to fry exactly all right well i said she moved on to kelsey because obviously other than Liza, she is like the next biggest character. Again, we saw like Liza and Kelsey's friendship shine through, I think, in this episode with her saying to Kelsey, you know, you take this, this is what you want. This is your future. It's not my future. I want to stay here. I'm happy and empirical. That's, that's my, what I'm happy to do. This is what you need to do. It's all yours. And I just loved how she just selflessly kind of handed that over to Kelsey to to run with she didn't have to they were 50 50 creating it yes Kelsey put some money in but the ideas were coming from both of them right so I thought they just like show her how she supported Kelsey so much for the years but also how Kelsey supported Liza as well 
that lunch scene between the two of them where Liza was telling her to take it and, you know, I've always had your back. You told me that in the beginning. That was a nice throwback to the very beginning too. Like when Kelsey said, you know, I've got your back and I'll take you under my wing, essentially, like as you learn how things go around here. And that was really the, the birth of their friendship. So I, I like how this has run its course over the spectrum of their friendship to now be like, you take this creative idea, you run with it, you make it your future because I'm good. Like I've, I'm in a different place from Liza's standpoint, whereas Kelsey has different ambition. It's all a good thing. And I just love how they support each other. It's non-competitive. It's never been competitive between these two, which is really the culture shift I would love to see among women. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, a friend of mine just texted recently. He's got two girls and they're about eight and 11, I think. Like he goes, guys, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. He goes, girls are like a completely different animal. They're mean. Like, they, you know, they're dealing with, like, their school friends. And they're, I'm like, listen, girls are bitches. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what age we are. Like, until you find your tribe, it is, like, guerrilla warfare out there. Like, there's such a mean culture among females. It's it's always very, gotta be competitive. It's always, you know, how can I cut you down to make myself look better? That's not every woman, but it's, it's a lot of, like, how females interact. And I, I hate it. I joke around that I'm, I'm more dude than I am girl sometimes because I don't live my life that way. I never want to make myself feel better by bringing somebody else down. I would rather do what this show is doing and try to celebrate successes and bring everybody up. Like that's like that's why I think that highlight of my my highlight at the end. Everyone there talking and they're they're congratulating each other on this happy moment and like how can we make it better? Because oh wait, I have something to add to this, you know, conversation. I just think that that's a really great message and like if that can be like the culture shift. I, I get what you're saying, but I have to say my growing up with girls I don't think it's ever been quite as combative or combative as I've seen on TV shows and I've heard from other people from their schools and things like that. Primary school, I was at a boys and girls school and, and things like that, but for high school, so that in Australia, that's from year seven, you're about, I think I was 12, but I was quite young. Most people were 13 when they go into high school. I was at an all-girls school and it never felt like that the yeah there would be fights and and there would be some bitchiness a little bit and that but i hear about some other girls where there's like real mean girls that like rule the school and stuff like that and i never felt that at my school or at least in my year group we had our little cliques and things like that maybe also i was one of those people that tended to be able to float between the cliques a bit like i never really had some that were girls closer to than other but i never felt unwelcome by anyone and people did used to still we also had quite a small year I should say um I think there was only 50 of us in from year 7 to 10 and then years 11 and 12 we get some kids from country areas at schools that go to that those years so they've become my high school, our school graduating class had 660 something kids. yeah see so maybe it's a size thing because I was in a country area we had much smaller schools like I, I hear about schools that are like thousands and thousands of students yeah, there was th over 3,000 kids in my high school for four that years. That makes, that like blows my mind because there just was not that many kids at our school. I think we were a few hundred in the whole school. You may be told, it may be 500. Like when Mean Girls came out, I'm like, 
I have names for each of you. See, that was never my experience at school. And I also find it weird because some people say, oh, I didn't even know all the people in my year at school and things okay. like that. I mean, there was not that many people in my year. You knew every single person in your year at school. And even most of the years above and below you as well, at least, you know, the years either side. So I don't know. I never had that sort of combative relationship that I hear about at other schools and stuff. Like I said, there were fights. There was falling outs and things like that. But I overall felt quite a supportive environment, the school I went to. So I'm quite glad of the school I went to. You know, the final scene in this, well, not quite the final scene, but the scene with the girls at the bar all celebrating each other's successes and stuff, that's how it was with my girlfriends in London, like we would go and meet up at a bar, we'd talk about how we're going, what's been good in our life, you know, what's been bad, and, and we'd be there for each other in the highs and the lows, and, and it always felt very supportive, and I had friendships like that. It just felt so authentic to the type of friendships that I've had in my life, whereas sometimes I watch these other shows where these constant battling between women and stuff, and to me, that's never been something that's been in my life so much i don't seek it out and people sometimes think i'm an easy mark because i can be quite quiet you know sheila knows me quite well and i'm not the life of the party girl i'm i'm not the one that's you know making you know everyone know i'm here and stuff like that i can sometimes be just in the corner quietly watching everyone and yeah but emma you're the dangerous one because you see everything you watch everything and then the next day you have all the stories so everybody runs to you the next day be like stop but i tend to not tell everyone the stories either no you tell certain certain people little bits be like sheila this is what you did last Well, yeah, sometimes it was more just helping people remember what they did. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily spread it to everyone else. (laughs) No, no. Well, because you're not a mean girl. Yeah, exactly. So I'm also, I think I've had a few people try to bully me in the past and I just don't put up with it. If I don't like what you're saying or whatever, I will stand up for myself. Yes, I might be quiet, but that doesn't stop me from standing up for myself. And I think that comes from my schooling. I think that comes from being in an environment that felt supportive, allowed me to develop that in myself. But I, I feel like this relationship, that's what they've sort of always had that very supportive relationship with the women. And I love seeing that. And that, that's what I've always loved about this show, how it showed such great female relationships. Even I know people talk about that with Sex in the City, but I feel this show shows it much better than Sex in the City ever did. It feels very much more authentic and less competitive than Sex and the City. Like, Sex and the City, yeah, they genuinely loved each other, but there was definitely, like, a status that needed to be, like, upheld. And I feel like this show, the status is more on the undercurrent. You know, like, we see it, like, in their clothes and things like that, but it's not, like, in the forefront. So, Kelsey and Rob, I know you're upset. I know you were standing them. You were shipping them. I was shipping them. I sort of word I use very often, by the way, but I've, I've heard it's a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hoped Kelsey had finally found someone good, but I was disappointed with the way he he went behind her back about getting this, you know, 20% kind of, like, deal-creating fee for, like, literally sending an email. I, and then to also say, oh, you wouldn't feel this way if you were a man. And I'm like, hold on a second. You're in a relationship with this person. You 
put it as I'm doing this as a favour for you, not that, oh, I'm going to get something out of this as well. I think you'd be being upfront at it and said, look, if I do this um, and something comes of it, then usually I would get a fee for it or something like that. I think if he'd been honest at the beginning and gave her the option to say, no, I'm not comfortable with it being like that or, or yes, okay, you know, and, and they could have had a discussion before the email was sent out. Maybe she wouldn't have been quite upset. The fact that they're in a relationship and he's just sort of seemed to have offered this out of his goodwill and then expects 20%, which I'm sorry, is way too much for sending an email for your girlfriend as well. I was just like, no, that's not cool. Like I said, if you'd been upfront about it, I think it wouldn't have been so bad, but it felt devious, the fact that he didn't say anything. And even when he presented the offer, didn't say, oh, by the way, because I helped put this together. She had to read the small print before she found it. You know, you've been such an advocate for these two. I just hoped that Kelsey finally had a good guy. And once again, my hopes were dashed. (laughs) Well, it just shows, it shows to me that, again, the message of this show is about strong feminine values and Kelsey's career needs a little bit more nurturing and that's where her focus and her energy needs to go. Nobody here at the four girls at the end needed their man to validate their position in life. Like, so Lauren is is happy being a non-heteronormative relationship with Max and Mark. There's relationships, but no one is being defined by them. Maggie's career has been revived, right? So that's the big message. You know, Lauren is so proud to be working at Empirical. She's at the party and she's like taking such pride in the hundred years and lies. It's like, but you've only been here like a hundred minutes, but notwithstanding, she's still very proud of it. And she made that amazing party in like, a week in less than a week exactly exactly right so you know so she's got her heart and soul and she was like you know make sure the dj keeps up the energy as she runs to max so she's still concerned about it so i like the messaging here so kelsey's career needs a little bit more nurturing so this way you know she she doesn't have the distraction of of rob and while he was good for her for a while uh when she found this 20 percent, i was like 20 percent for an email seems awfully high and we didn't get a number of what this company was being valued at but it was enough for kelsey's down payment to be covered and then some so what she had given to dylan park so let's face it her down payment was for like an apartment in new york so it had to be like a pretty high figure pretty hefty. <laughs> in the you know the uk or something you'd be talking close to like 60 70 thousand pounds i yes. imagine in the u.s you're talking like a six-figure it's probably something close to that, yes. I just like the fact that Kelsey found it before anything got like solidified. And I don't think if he'd had a conversation with her up front that she would have been okay with him getting like a finder's fee for something that he posited as, I'm going to do this as a favor just to make sure. Let me send this to some of my VC friends. He did not say it in a business Manner. This was more like, hey, let me just see if this is valued right. And then for him to turn around and be like, my my connections have value is just so dickish. As she said, you're not an investment bank. 
you know, you weren't actually going in and negotiating the deal for her. You literally just sent out an email and then the offers were coming to her or to him to sort of sort through. But other than that, like, what did you really do for the money? This is where I sometimes get annoyed with, like, recruitment agents as well with the amount that they sometimes get for the very little that they do. (laughs) Um, I had one where I actually found the job myself with a friend, but the company said you had to go through an recruitment agent to do it. So I literally went to my old recruitment agent and said, here's the job, here it is. They said you're on the preferred supplier list. Do you want to do the contract? And they're like, Mm -hmm. yes. And then they asked for a 30% markup on it. Oh, my God. What did you do? I found a job. (laughs) All you have to do is a little bit of paperwork and then my payroll. Like, you don't deserve 30% for that. (laughs) No, definitely not. And I don't like the fact that he said that if if you were a guy, this wouldn't be an issue. No, because, again, it was something that you said, like, in a very offhand kind of a way. And it turns out his connection wasn't even the valuable one because she got multiple offers back because his person, for your eyes only, forwarded on. We saw the map last episode. Bing, 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 right? It went all over the place. Did his connection really have value? It's debatable. Yeah, he he was getting one person to look at it and it just happened to go to what feels like thousands in the end. But I'm glad it didn't come out badly because like we said before, a bit worried about maybe someone else trying to copy the idea or something else happened with it. We had all kinds of like fears about what was going to happen here. I know, so I was glad that it ultimately ended up well. I'm very excited actually that it was like Hello Sunshine that came through in the end. I've always been a bit disappointed that they had, you know, Reese Witherspoon's company in this show, but no, like, Reese Witherspoon cameo. I know, because I was like, you know, I just watched the Friends reunion just very recently, so, you know, the fact that she made a cameo there, I was like, oh, well, maybe there might be something here finally, but, yeah, no. But it does make me wonder why she never thought to, like, go to them when she wanted to start up her own publishing company before. (laughs) You know, she went to Quinn instead. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, maybe it was like kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Quinn was there. That left the door open in a very big way for a spinoff. Exactly. And you know, I've said multiple times, I'm really hoping that spinoff does come off the ground because I think it would be brilliant to see Kelsey's character move to LA, see how she like starts her life over again. I mean, I think she mentioned in one of the earliest series, a season, sorry, that, um, she was from Texas originally, so she would have had to have, like, moved to New York, start her life, right. you know, and it's always, you know, difficult to move and, and get new friends and settle into a new city. So it'd be it'd be an interesting storyline to follow, I think, seeing her build this company up out in L.A. Right, and see where she's able to go from there. So do you think that it was surprising for her to announce that she was leaving Empirical after she that she would stay. I think she realised as she was talking that she needed to leave. And because, you know, just moments before she's like, oh, I I can't leave now. I need to, hopefully Charles will still buy it. And then I think she realised that she was up there. She's like, no, I'm still frustrated by being here. I need to strike out on my own. I'm ready to strike out on my own. And I think she needed that realisation to actually have that, push and go no I may not have anything set up but this is where my future lies it's not empirical anymore it's on my own doing my own thing creating my own company and I think it's exactly what she needed and it comes back to my I think this is her quarter life crisis coming into fruition that's a bad way yeah her quarter life crisis sort of making her reassess her priorities 
and moving into that next phase of her life that she's been ready to move into, but maybe had been a bit scared to take that step into it. Oh, I agree. So I, I thought that too. And because when she saw Charles like moving through the crowd and he's so tall that he, he literally stood head and shoulders above most of the people in the crowd. And it was almost like she was having this conversation with him and having this realization. And I thought it was very heartfelt. I think that all the things that she was feeling was very valid. And I, I do agree with you that it was happening in the moment this realization and and her thanking him for being her mentor and taking a chance on her kind of like look how far we've come i I was also glad that there was redemption for claire and kelsey i was just thinking that actually i i I take back most of the mean things i've said about claire (laughs) this season (laughs) i'm surprised that you've done that because uh you've been very anti-claire for a long time i have well you know not for good reason. She's been pretty horrid in the three seasons that we've known her. I think her understanding Rob and and sort of his motivations, you know, made it easier for her to forgive Kelsey because it's almost like Kelsey didn't know what she was doing or getting into. But no, I like the fact that she was even so open to say, like, when you get tired of her crying all night long, Gemma, you can, you know, Kelsey, you can come stay by me. So I thought that, that was really great. And, you know, that Josh was there to witness it was, I think, even better. Yeah, I think the offer to have her stay at her place was heartfelt and I think it really was definitely the opening for maybe we can get back the friendship we had tried to start and sort of Well, now we have a new, a new, like, (laughs) the, the... (laughs) The Rachel Haters Club from Friends. Uh... (laughs) Is it it a Rob Haters Club? No, no, it could be a Rob Haters Club. Like, if Brad Pitt shows up, you know, and he starts eating everything, then I'm just going to be like, I'm sorry. Can I just say, though, like, the whole Tunnel Sisters thing, just, I was like, no. Oh, it's so cringeworthy. Don't say that, ever. Yeah, no, that's that's awful. (laughs) Let's just come up with a better term. The Rob Haters Club is just fine. (laughs) Definitely better. It's, it's all-encompassing. They can have a secret handshake. It'll be wonderful. I'm surprised that, you, um, that you've forgiven Claire for her past transgressions. I said most, not all. Not all. I think, I'm, you know, I said last um, episode that I maybe got distracted by the Irish bro. I think it's just because you, you've got your mum in your life. You don't, you don't get distracted by them. You've got all your Irish family. You're like, oh, that's just like every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, she's uh she she's she did a lot of redeeming uh in her character. So I, I like I said I take back most of the bad things. I will not forgive her for using Liza's secret against her. That's I uh, that's yeah. the thing I'm going to hold wedding, on to. That was yeah, bad. That's yeah. what I'm going to hold on to and so I, but I take back most of the other mean things that I've said about her. I will say though I was surprised that Josh offered to invest in Kelsey's business and not buy the, the building that he put the offer in on. I was also surprised that Josh has enough money to buy a whole building in Williamsburg, but <laughs> the, yeah. the fact that he was willing to give that up to buy, like to put a stake into Kelsey's company, I thought, wow, where have you got all this money from suddenly? Well, I was thinking about that. He had the gig right at Infinitely 21, right? He was doing that and that was like a... Um like a franchise kind of a thing and he'd been talking about franchising beyond that before he did that gig as well so maybe that's been happening in the background we don't know 
But this is the evolution, right? This is the progression from younger to older. We go through the phase where we're poor college kids and we're so thankful that like the happy hour place has, you know, coin toss Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, where like we have the opportunity to get free drinks if the roll of the dice is correct. Yeah, I really got the free drinks. Usually go half faster. So you, we go from this progression between poor college kids to being, you know, broke 20-somethings trying to establish ourselves, trying to build a career, make a home. And then at some point you find yourself in a groove and then you find yourself being able to afford something substantial, right? And sometimes it happens kind of quick and you're like, all of a sudden, like, when, whoa, when did I grow up? Well, I was just thinking, I'm like, it's the reason we haven't seen Josh much in this season because he's been too busy building like a tattoo salon mogul empire and that's why we haven't seen him and now he's got like millions of dollars to buy a whole building in Williamsburg because let's face it Williamsburg is not that cheap these days surely a whole building with like uh four apartments four apartments plus a business has to be a couple of million minimum probably five four more million it's got to be a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has to be a lot, exactly. But yeah, I just feel like this is that that underlining of, of older. Like, you know, Kelsey was talking about getting an apartment this season. Lauren turned 30. So I, I like the fact that, you know, and this kind of came out of nowhere. And this is such a guy thing, too, to be like, I can buy the building. <laughs> <laughs> He's so low-key about it. But it's, it is this progression. And I like the fact that this came out this episode as well, that they're now responsible with their money they know what to do with it you know i I think like if if a 24 25 or 26 year old had like the money that he's got now would been like like i wouldn't buy a building with it at 26 i'd be going to thailand (laughs) but maybe not thailand i haven't actually been thailand yet but been a few other countries i've been to just because i had the cash and why not well that was like my uh my homage to the the ending scene but yeah no i liked i liked the fact that you know josh was willing to invest in kelsey because he would have gotten a return on his money then he would have been able to build back that to buy the building but i think the building for him is the best investment ever i came back from florida yesterday and we flew over manhattan and i have not flown over manhattan since like 2001 because of the the world trade center so whatever happened with the the flight lines i've always come in like you know to the queen's airports and it's always been not directly over manhattan so i was just like damn this is a beautiful city but then you also realize they ain't building any more land so like if he has a building in williamsburg that is a sure thing that this is going to be a moneymaker for him for a really long time so uh, I like the fact that they went there with him for that. We didn't see much of him in this episode, but the little bits we saw were very impactful. Very quality, so. not quantity, this time out. Yeah. But let me ask you, so I'm going to shift gears now to Maggie. Maggie and Cass. Like, I feel like somewhere in deep in my core that this was going to happen, mostly when Cass was lingering at the art show. Did you see this coming? I didn't really see this coming. I think I've said before, I thought the her coming back up on top of on the art world and was kind of the end of her storyline but I liked it it did annoy me a little bit that she answered the call at the beginning of the episode when Liza's trying to give the download of what happened with uh, Charles the night before I was like that's not like Maggie at all she would usually be like focused on Liza so what's all this right. about and and they're but they're backwards and forwards like was so funny how they were like this 
fighting, but they were liking the fighting. It just, I feel like this is the sort of relationship Maggie has always needed. Yes. Because she is such a combative person. She needs someone to fight with. She needs someone who's going to, like, match her energy, where she's got, like, this, like, playful bantery like you know kind of like play fighting kind of like feel to it yeah it wasn't malicious or anything it was fun it was, it was it fun was... and but Cass was meeting her like blow for blow basically yeah I did like the making Maggie basically ask her to dinner but she's like you know did I get an invite oh yeah yeah I'll, yeah, I'll go to dinner with you <laughs> like... I thought that was the most adorable like flirting back and forth that I've seen in a long time I thought that was really really cute yeah it really was but then to come out of that and say to Liza oh I don't understand straight relationships and you guys are all crazy or whatever I'm like did you just hear your conversation with Cass <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's easier to judge others than to judge yourself. Exactly. (laughs) I like the fact that Maggie did give Cass props for reviving her career. I give her a lot of credit for being able to forgive Cass for what she's done. You know, it's something you said earlier that sparked kind of like that thought, too. It's like, you know, said Liza has scandal around her and it might be hard for her to find employment. But like Maggie having scandal around her only increased her value. Right. So so she had the scandal and then she had the redemption and she has like now this this new sort of interest because people who probably weren't paying much attention to her are all now all of a sudden like, well, let's go check out the Maggie Amato show because, you know, she was just trending on Twitter last week. Yeah, and I did like uh, how Cass was like, make sure you sign the bust yeah. or the breasts because now it might be worth something. And like, well, the oh, bust and so breasts, funny. it's all the same, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think they actually referred to them as breasts. Yeah. But, you know, having no, she, a fight. She specifically I'll... wanted the, the signature on one part in particular, right? Yeah. But it's like, do either of them really want those breasts around anymore? Because even though they kind of got them together, do they want to be reminded of Camilla? I enjoy the fact that the boobs are the things that bring them together. I know a lot of people who who enjoy boobs and would be very happy to like have Camilla's tits around them at all times. I think it's a playful part of their relationship now. Like I feel like they're able to like Cass is in a better place. I think she realized how unhappy Camilla was actually making her. Now it becomes a different um, representation. Yeah, I did love the enough. joke about the Venmo at the restaurant. Um, like like how do you get money out of the phone? I don't know. I think it's a streaming service. I was <laughs> laughing. I'm like I feel like that's such like a mid forties kind of a joke. Well, I had to look it up because I was like, oh, what's Venmo? Because it's not in Australia. It wasn't in the UK. But then I realized we have similar services we have like PayM in the uk we have it's like Os- a paypal right doctor i think it's called or something like that in australia yeah where you can like just send money through your phone it becomes a streaming service to get it out apparently we're apparently in that exennial couple of years that crosses over gen x and millennials <laughs> so. it makes sense to me i get it yeah totally i'm going to move on to lauren do you have anything else on maggie i don't think they've ever done a scene on the subway before I love their getting together, having their first kiss down on the subway platform and the pulling the doors open. It kind of reminded me of Sliding Doors. Yes. Um, you know, that movie yeah, where sure. she's like, oh, if she missed the doors, would they have not got together? Like, I, I like that because even though they've sort of shown subways in the background and talked about going to the subway and I think we've seen people go down the stairs or come out of the stairs, mm-hmm. I don't think they've actually shown the subway before. And that's like such a classic New York mode of transportation exactly you know part of your life it's like its own um it's a bit like going on the tube in London it's like it's its own tourist attraction yes it's its own rite of passage that everybody needs to do sometimes exactly so it's kind of nice to actually have that bit of New York shown in the show finally 
because like we've said before, it's been a little bit of a love affair with New York, with some of the scenes that they've shot and places that they've shot. And, and you know, they do film on site in these locations. Um, they're not like pretending Vancouver is New York or anything like that. Like <laughs> the shows do. <laughs> Um, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah, so, so it felt like they finally had that, like, iconic subway scene that, that they've never had before in the show, which that was quite cool. So I like that as well. So, But other than that, I think we can maybe move on to Maggie to Lauren, and we should have known she would never end up in just a regular hetero relationship heteronormative i also liked how um she basically decided she and max were in a relationship mm-hmm. before she told him that they were in a relationship <laughs> yes i appreciate her mom saying you need to get out of your own head you know to get head <laughs> yes I, I was like i don't think i could ever talk to my parents about head and, and having sex dreams yeah erotic dreams, like that. So, i mean yeah. that's definitely a lauren thing but yeah, there's There's lines lines that that I don't need to know about my parents' sex life. They also don't need to know about mine. Right. Although maybe I shouldn't be talking about this at all because Dad is currently watching the series. Oh, okay. Um, she's, she's up to season five the other day. She's Team Charles. I'm, I'm very disappointed. What? I've, to- I've told her you cannot be Team Charles. You've chosen the wrong team. And this was before I'd seen the finale. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so, so- but she's promised to listen to the podcast eventually. It may be like in a month's time or something. But uh, yeah, so maybe I shouldn't say too much more about sex yeah. life and parents if she's listening. Well, hi, Jennifer, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> So my new motto in life is going to be WWLD. Oh, totally. I I liked how Max was so complimentary towards her, saying, you know, how authentically she lived her life. Because, you know, Lauren is pretty out there and and not everybody takes to Lauren. So I like the fact that he was celebrating her uniqueness. It's a really great way for, like, their relationship to kind of come back full circle. I also love that she was like, oh, I remember my tea order. And, you know, he was like, I remember so much about us. And it it shows that it was an important relationship to him beyond where it led him to. Um, But I must admit, as he was talking to her, I'm like, oh, my God, he's like, gay or he's he's in another relationship or something. I knew there was something coming out. Yeah, there was going to be some smack upside the head. Yeah, but I love how that didn't face her. And she was just like, well, I mean, maybe if you're you're open to it. And I love she just was like, I still want to be with him. And he's with someone else, but I like him too. So why not? And and I love how Mark was like, oh, she's so funny. And Max was like, no, she's serious. (laughs) He knew her so well (laughs) that he knew that she was serious about this. I I mean, like I said, we should have known that Lauren's story would never end with just her and Max. And because one of the reasons they broke up was because she didn't find him edgy enough in a way. Right. Interesting, right, exactly. I feel like this is a good relationship for her. You know, it reminded me also like one of the when her and Maggie were together and I remember she was like, Oh, I think we should be like oh, I can't remember how she worded it, but it was basically like we should be monogamous as females but left it open that she could still have like they could both still have sex with men right like that's that's in play yeah 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 but like she's never just gone down the path of oh let's just be monogamous or let's just be this or that there was always uh, another side An asterisk right there's always going to be a little something something on top but i feel like this could be the relationship for her i could see her being in a relationship like this for a while yeah and maybe they'd be happy if she had girls on the side as well 
it it was very quintessential Lauren. It was very WWLD, really. Yeah. And I love how, like, you know, Liza was asking questions and then she was like, eh, it's just Lauren. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I'm good with it. Not just like going into details about, well, is this really going to work or whatever? And, and Lauren's just like, yeah, it is what it is. And it's Lauren and you know, it will work how it works for her. And they've been a bit like that with the whole series, I think, with, with uh, different relationships with Lauren. And it's, it's never been a big deal. And she's fluid and it's fine and they're accepting. I like that. I like that as a message too. So I think this kind of brings us to the end of like the character discussion, like of what happened with everybody. So, I mean, this is the series finale. You want to give maybe some overall feelings on the final season? I think overall, I mean, I just found the season a bit of a roller coaster, particularly with Charles doing like 180s. It felt like every second episode, you know, it would be one direction and then the other, you know, it was a bit up and down. Overall, I enjoyed it. I still think Diana not being in the season was a big hole that they never really managed to fill. Um, I know they tried to sort of bring Lauren a bit more into it to fill that gap, um, but Lauren was such a different character. And I don't think there's any way that could have really filled Diana's hole in any good way. So that was just circumstances. And, and I think they did as good a job as they could. But I was a bit disappointed Diana wasn't in the final episode. I still am not a fan of the Quinn-Charles-Liza triangle. I feel like if they wanted a triangle between Liza and Charles and another woman, it should have been just anyone new. I just don't think Quinn was the right character for that, given the history she had with Charles, almost bankrupting the company and things like that. I do think that was maybe a poor choice, and that's nothing against the actress. She was a brilliant actress. Charles and Quinn never made sense. Uh, But overall, I enjoyed it. I definitely loved the ending. It wasn't necessarily a Team Josh win in that. I don't necessarily see it as Josh and Liza being together but I felt like it was more their friendship was back to where it should be there was that potential that something might happen still in the future even though he's been sidelined a lot during this episode in like this whole season I liked that ending and that that whole full circle to the first episode and I really enjoyed Kelsey's storyline even though Rob ended up being a bit of a dick in the end but I liked the incubator storyline and I'm really happy with Kelsey sort of moving out to LA and I am fingers 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 crossed really hoping for that potential spin-off with Kelsey. Yeah, there's so much to to kind of reflect on here. I feel like I've been harsh on this season. Like as we've gone through, like, I, you know, I, I use the term, like it felt rudderless. Seeing how it all ended up, I'm going to soften my position on how I see the season overall. So I'm having a lot of reflection. Like I, I forgave Claire for most of her nonsense. But I see that like what the creative team has done. Like they created a lot of dramatic tension with the distance between Charles and Liza this, this entire season. That he had to have his hurt. He had to go through that process. They created more dramatic tension now with the dual personalities of Quinn what she would show to everybody else versus what she showed to Liza and how they resolved that, how they, they brought that to, to this episode and how they resolved it really feels authentic to me to how these characters have grown and developed over the last seven seasons. I'm pretty much like, okay with where everyone's ended up, like where I imagined they would be. I'm hoping that Charles finds inspiration in writing 
So that writer's colony, that development of that suppressed side of his personality feels right for him because he's not fitting in right now wherever he's at like he's in the editor-in-chief role back at empirical but this is a a time of growth for his company and i don't know if he's necessarily okay with it so i like the fact that like empirical will continue and will continue to fund his inspiration so he's fortunate that he's got that but i want him to be able to find joy in publishing in writing and and finding it within himself i think would probably be the best thing for him the fact that quinn wasn't here just made it so much better but kelsey striking out on her own needs to be something that needed to happen if she had just you know settled down with rob and he popped the question or something like that i would have been like no that's not that's not kelsey's arc you know lauren being in her happily non-heteronormative relationship maggie's career being revived like these are they they did a good job in creating so much tension but it was so tense and there was so much conflict it didn't feel that like we even said i think last episode like they have a lot to wrap up in a very short amount of time because they had to undo so much of what had been done this season in order to like get these characters in a great position for us to be able to say goodbye to them so the tension was intentional i feel you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack on some of the things I said earlier in prior episodes that they did almost too good a job in creating dramatic tension because it just felt so hopeless in some aspects and I think also the feedback we've seen from fans as well is that they've sort of felt that way as well like where is this going how is this possibly the direction that they've gone in I always wanted everyone including Charles even though I'm a Tim Charles fan it's not that I dislike Charles I just don't like him with Liza but even Charles got a happy ending like I feel like even Pauline last episode got a happy ending she just wanted Quinn out so well maybe Quinn didn't get the happy ending but I mean no one liked Quinn she'll be fine she's a billionaire she's beautiful she'll be fine Exactly. She was in Mustique having, like, a beautiful time in the sun. So to a degree, she had a happy ending. (laughs) I I like that that it did sort of resolve everyone's storylines. Everyone ended up in a good place, which is what I always wanted. Still a little bit disappointed that Josh wasn't in the season more. But I like, like I said earlier in this episode, that line at the end where he says, I've always been here right beside you kind of felt showed how the season felt with him that he was there he was beside her the whole way but wasn't really a focus for Liza in this season where he has been in all the previous seasons and maybe it's because of like the COVID restrictions that they had I'm really glad that they didn't write COVID into the script though yeah I'm not enjoying TV shows now that are bringing COVID into this drama I'm like no 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 it was hell it's hell to deal with some shows it makes sense but some shows it really doesn't and this is a show where it would not have made sense to include it in the storyline like prodigal son the very first episode of season two they talk about like lockdown as a thing in the past right so it was mm-hmm. it was a moment and that they're now in a post-covid world and it has never come up again so i appreciate that but i also like where like josh and liza ended up it is this promise of 
their chemistry is undeniable. Just the two of them standing there and having this this deja vu kind of banter from the very beginning of their, I felt their meeting. The spark again. <laughs> yes, it made me feel that was the promise. Like that's that's where the the show was leading you down, and you could just imagine the conversation that would happen from there, and just the way that they're looking at each other. It's just it's. It's the spark that this show has had all along that has made me become such a younger fan and made me, you know, binge this series, I think, like, twice already. So (laughs) probably a third time now that I can watch it all together. Maybe up to three or four times. I have some catching up to do. I do feel like doing this podcast has made me go back and watch it more as well. I may have done it in bits and bobs, but I've just gone like something from this season will come out and be like, oh, that sort of references back there. So I'll go back yeah, and watch like, that. Yeah, like that's like back in season, like, you know, the Max storyline, yeah. like you said, like last episode that you and had gone back and watched. stop watching. <laughs> right. So you just kind of pick up. But that's what makes this show special and has made it last for seven seasons. So I'm, I'm excited for where they've left off. I'm excited for the people who are going to be watching the show and wondering where these characters are going. I think this is a really good send-off. I think they explained the tension that they needed to have all season. I think they explained it well. Like I said, the only downside for me was that Diana did not factor into the final episode. I feel like she deserved that. But, I mean, overall, I think we both agree. It's like we were maybe a bit harsh last episode when we were talking about it. <laughs> just a touch but but i do i definitely after watching this episode and i think you said you were in tears and i was almost in tears at the end i love this episode so much it kind of softened my feelings on some of the issues i had with with the rest of the season and maybe it's just because team charles didn't win and it just felt like the whole season team charles was going to win and that was just really upsetting me (laughs) Well, we were rooting for Team Nobody because it wasn't looking like it was going anywhere for so long. And it kind of almost really was Team Nobody in the end because it's not, like I said, there's a promise of something with Josh, but it's not explicitly that she's back with Josh. You know, in the end, she's got her new career as editor-in-chief. She's happy with where she is in her life. I don't think she needs to be with anyone particularly. She would like to be, and if it's Josh, that's great, but it might not be Josh. It may be someone else. But I, no, it's definitely never going to be Charles. It's never going to be Charles. <laughs> I feel like they, she's especially hit a stride in her life where I feel like she's finally comfortable in her own skin and that she can now be honest with herself as to who's going to be a better match for her. And the way that we ended here, it looks like Josh is that right person. Because when you step back and you look at like who's going to be a better partner for her, who's going to be a better supporter of for her, it's it's really Josh. The way that they portrayed this final scene between them, they had an instant attraction from the very first minute that she was ordering those skinny margaritas, waving her shoe. Nothing has changed that chemistry the, the the only thing that's changed is that they've gotten to know each other over seven seasons and the, their their love for each other is very deep and that josh has maybe grown a lot in that time as well and he's older she's older and she's in a position now where she's okay with where her life is where she was in, very much in turmoil when we first met josh and Josh is also like, you know, he's settled down a bit. He's got a child. He's not living with, you know, roommates and, and 
playing video games till God knows what hour and living without a door on his room (laughs) and all the things that she put up with initially. It has like a clean bathroom. (laughs) I remember when she stayed over once and how dirty that bathroom was. You know, he's he's grown so much in those couple of years, which this show apparently has only been going for. Right, what, three years, I think? Yeah, it feels like they've only grown three years in, in the seven years the show has been going. Right. So, but he seems to have progressed so much in that time that I think before there was a bit of an immaturity that she maybe couldn't see herself with him long term because of that. But now he's moved so much beyond where he was. And you do grow up quicker in those, I think, in your 20s, not so much in your 30s. I've got friends now that are like 10, 15 years older than me, but we don't feel the age difference. It's not a romantic relationship, but it's a, a very close friendships. Yeah. And we just don't feel that age difference because we're a point that doesn't matter. Yeah, like you're not changing that much by the time I say you hit like 30. A final meditation with Maggie. So I kind of had two potential meditations with Maggie. So there was the the first runner-up, I think, is the conversation between Maggie and Liza in the very beginning about trying to understand how Charles and Liza could get back together and how you straight people are crazier than the gays. Just talking about that, I am going to miss those little downloads of the night before that Liza and Maggie always used to have in their kitchen. It was just always fun. I think a lot of our meditations came from those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to miss that. But I think our meditation for this episode is at the very end, that bar scene from my highlight, when Lauren, Liza, and Maggie are talking about their love lives. So you don't have just one guy, you have two. Yes. So are you in a throuple? Liza, throuple. No, 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 no. That is so your generation. Listen, I'm free, and I'm happily non-heteronormative. Well, honey, stay that way, because when love finally bites you in the ass, there ain't nothing you can do about it. Wait a minute. Did I just hear you say you're in love? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But you know what they say about love and hate? It's two sides of the same coin, and yeah, I guess that means there's got to be something there. Ah! To Maggie in love! To Maggie in love! Oh, miserable for the rest of my life. So what were your thoughts about what she said here, Emma? So, I mean, I really love the love and hate being two sides of the same coin. I've always felt that way, you know. You don't feel hate unless it means something to you. Particularly if it's in a romantic relationship, it's because you love them and you're just really frustrated with them and you get those feelings of hate. So I think I definitely agree with that. But I loved her, I'll be miserable the rest of my life, given the sort of Daddy backwards and forwards that her and Cass had, I feel like that's going to be their relationship. And you can see people from outside just going, oh, why are they a couple when they just fight all the time? But for them, it's almost like foreplay. Right, exactly. Yes, it'll be like, oh, I'll be miserable, but she was like, I'm really going to be happy in that miserableness because that's what I want. It's also the unexpected part of life. Like, you don't expect things to come along and then something lands in your lap and it came out of nowhere and it becomes the most important thing to you too. That's kind of the undercurrent of what this show has really meant is that you don't know what life is going to throw at you and it ends up being the best thing possible. So Liza didn't know when her divorce happened way back in season one that this was going to be the track of her life. I hate it when people say, oh, love will find you when you're not looking. And I'm like, well, I've never really been looking yet love's never really found me. But (laughs) (laughs) beside the point... 
Now, the one time I did, you know, I did sort of end up in a long-term relationship. I actually found it via online dating. My first attempt at it, and it was like the second date. Um, I'm not someone that has chased love, but I feel in this situation, like Maggie and Cass were not looking for love, and yet mm-hmm. I think that's what they found. And even Liza wasn't looking for love when she met Josh, and that's where her path went as well. So I feel like that, you know, phrase that everyone always says, you know, you find love when you're not looking for it. I feel like it was so true in these situations. Exactly. I think this brings us to the end of our episode. I think it does. It's it's a bittersweet. I mean, I've really enjoyed doing this. It was good having seen the final season, but I'm going to miss it a lot. And I'm going to miss doing the podcast with you as well. I know. Well, we're going to have to find the next one for us to do. There's plenty, plenty of good TV out there for us to... Maybe we should ask the, you know, our listeners if there's any shows they want us to cover. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that are like this show that, you know, like Happy Endings. I don't know if you ever heard about that show that was on for three seasons. Oh, no, I've not heard of that one. It has uh, Damon Wayans Jr. and it has um, Alicia Cuthbert. She's the girl from 24. Yes. So it was very much like an under-the-radar kind of a show as well. So yeah, so if there's anything that you guys want to hear us cover, definitely you can reach out to Pod Clubhouse on all the social media platforms, on all the things, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Pod Clubhouse. We want to thank you for listening to Heller Good, our younger podcast this season. So as the series is coming to a close, this will be our last podcast for the show, but there might be one more surprise episode from us so make sure you're still subscribed because there's something happening this week i think on the same day of the finale that we might be able to get you one last something with the younger crowd so if you could head on over to apple Podcasts or wherever you got this podcast from to rate review and subscribe that would be very much appreciated a five-star review would be very appreciated take some time to do these things and we hope that you got some enjoyment out of it so if you did just drop us a little five-star it helps other people find the show and we just want to thank you uh we've charted all the weeks that we've been doing this it's been amazing you know so i i just enjoy hearing the feedback we've gotten some feedback from from fans on twitter and through the facebook page uh for uh, for the younger fans so i just appreciate all of that interaction because it's nice to know that there's somebody on the other end and they're not just our friends and family that who are like you know we we make them listen <laughs> we appreciate all of the time that you've spent with us as well hopefully we get to talk to you again soon yeah it's been great and uh, i've never done a podcast before so this has been a massive learning curve for me so i hope people have enjoyed it i'm I'm just wrapped that people are actually listening to us and uh yeah it's been great to get feedback hopefully we can find something else to do another one we'll be back thank you all so much for listening it's been a real pleasure this has been heller good the younger podcast by pod clubhouse thanks again for listening appreciate it talk to you again soon bye bye thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production pod clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.